time to lay down some serious sound. Uh, I pray we never mock the word. Uh, time to lay down some serious sound. Hear ye, hear ye. It's a flood warning. It's easy to mock if you've never seen it pouring. They like we've never seen rain before. They hear you come saying God sent us gonna pour. So we choose our way and reject salvation though it's priceless. The same reason was stone a prophet, but the saw a psychic. So please remember when Noah was the butt of the joke. But when the flood came, those who left was chasing his boat. But it was too late. No man could stay afloat. Even if Michael Phelps in his prom with the strokes. Uh, flood even cover mountains like cloaks to clouds where I view like you looking like smoke. Uh, the depth of sin will have you laughing at hope and only take Jesus serious as gold on the rope. Hanging on chain, merrily blaspheming his name because judgment is an instant. We think it's rap is a game. Uh, I pray we never mock his word. Uh, I pray we never mock his word. Church. Let us never mock his word. Uh, let us never mock his word. Glorify him. Yeah, let us glorify him. Church, glorify him. Let us never deny him. Too often church becomes like a circus or a game show. Prophets are only good things, another gimmick to attach his name on. Never seen someone leave for joy when being robbed. Cause they're convinced the false prophecy is the voice of God. The glory of God is not enough, so a seed for earthly treasure. Competing for itch and ears, so-called prophets are fortune tellers. Who wanna be seen, abuse the scriptures, lusting for green. And so the world samples and blaspheme over Christian themes. Question, what? What does the world mock us? We're cool with it, as long as it leads to profits Toxic seeds only breed and lead to more robbers With the form of godliness, but no power Humble us, question, what is perspective? He supplies the very breath we use to reject him But help us love repentance and never mock your word Till our appetite for the things of this world have been curved I pray we never mock his word I pray we never mock his word Church let us never mock his word. Uh. Let us never mock his word. Glorify him. Let's glorify him. Church, glorify him. Let us never deny him. Time to lay down some serious sound. Welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I started this episode off with the featured song, which is my first single, Mocking Word, featuring Esther Smith. Um, it's from my upcoming album, 
I'm not releasing the title of my album just yet, but listen, I am super excited. Listen, I also have another single out <laughs> by the title of Denial. So make sure you guys stream and download those. I'm super excited to share this body of work with you guys. And it seems like it's taking forever. But listen, I, I believe in taking my time to do it right than to rushing it and having it halfway done. So, um, keep me in prayer. It's a process. You know, I have a lot going on in my life right now and I, and I'm just grateful for it all because I'm really, really, really just striving to be a good steward over my time and, and all of the resources that God has blessed me with. Um, but I feel like these first two singles are really just appetizers to, a larger body of work and I and, and I'm just excited to share it with you guys. Also, make sure you guys go to Path of Revelations YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, I'm going to slowly but surely begin to upload all of the podcast episodes because none of the podcast episodes are on YouTube. And I know there's a lot of people who listen, use YouTube as a source of listening to podcasts and music. So I want to make sure that these episodes are available on YouTube as well. So I'm going to start working my way backwards. <laughs> and so instead of uploading episode one, I'm going to start with the later episodes and work my back, my way back to the beginning. Um, I'm also going to be releasing uh, some vlogs. I'm going to be vlogging. My goal is to start vlogging uh, a lot this year. I'm going to be tackling apologetics and just different topics and, and things of that nature. So that'll be more resources uh, for you guys. I'm going to be interviewing some people um, dealing with specific topics. And so I'm really, really excited about that. So it's not going to just be music on the page, but you're going to get music and content that points you to Christ, that that edifies and challenges you. And so I am super excited about that. Make sure you guys are praying for me. I know um, I've been giving you guys an opportunity to donate um, to Path of Revelation, and you can still do that. Um, Cash App is Gabriel T. Parker. Uh, PayPal is Path of Revelation now at gmail.com. But more importantly, I, I covet you guys' prayers. You know, I covet your prayers and I pray that you would pray the Lord's strength in my life, that that his strength and his peace and his um, power be evident in my life as I pray for you guys and, and work to produce content for you guys. So I'm super excited. Um, listen, today's show, I'm going to be talking about changing our perspective concerning suffering and temptation. I, I really believe this is a a very important topic because here's the reality we all go through. We all have hardships and trials in our life. We all have temptation, um, temptations every day. It's like, man, you can't roll out of the bed and go through life without being tempted. And so changing our perspective concerning suffering and temptation. And I really want to look at Jesus as our example. But before I go into changing our perspective concerning suffering and temptation, 
I really want to deal with the question that I was asked uh, by a Hebrew Israelite. Um, I was debating or having a conversation with a Hebrew Israelite a couple of months back and they asked the question. The question came up, if Jesus is God, why did he have to grow in knowledge and learn obedience? I'm going to say that again. If Jesus is God, why did he have to grow in knowledge and learn obedience? Like, why would God have to grow? How can if how can God grow or how can God learn something if he's God? And so I think that's a very good question. And and so I want to start off by saying this. Um, in Orthodox Christianity, we believe that Jesus is God. We believe the scriptures. We 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 also believe that God is one. But God is one in three persons. And so in essence, we believe that God is of one essence. Um, God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. And so throughout scripture, when we look at scriptures like first John and I'm doing a quick run over the deity of Christ right now, because there are countless scriptures um, that that point to Jesus being God and him even claiming to be God. But when we look at scriptures like John chapter one, where it talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then you go down to verse 14 and it talks about how the word who is God became flesh. Um, when we look at prophecy and how um, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us and um, Jesus in John chapter eight, um, dealing with the Pharisees and saying that before Abraham was, I am. Um, there's countless scriptures that point to Jesus deity, Jesus uh, in revelations. Um, I am the alpha and omega. I'm the beginning and the end. These are God claims. Um, and so it is abundantly clear throughout scripture that Jesus is God. And so there is a mystery to God where we see God um, revealing himself in three persons in in the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father. Um, but we see that all these persons are of one substance. And so God is one. And so when we getting back to the question, I just wanted to kind of lay some groundwork um, before I hop into this, because again, um, before I dive into changing our perspective concerning suffering and temptation, I want you guys to understand why the scriptures say that Jesus grew in knowledge and wisdom. Um, and, and the scripture that they were quoting was found is found in Luke chapter two, verse 52, uh, reading from the ESV, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so it's important when we look at this, how is Jesus God 
if he's growing in wisdom, if he's growing in knowledge, favor with God and man. Well, we have to look at uh, passages like Philippians chapter two, starting at verse five. And this is the answer to that question. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse six, here it is. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, the father. So here's the question. How can you be in the form of God and think it not robbery or a false claim to be equal with God if you're not God? So verse six is saying Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse seven. Here's the key. Here's why he grew, had to grow in knowledge and wisdom. Verse seven, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and was made in the likeness of men. Repeat after me and was made in the likeness of men. Verse eight. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So why did Jesus have to grow in knowledge and wisdom if he's God? Because he made himself of no reputation. And he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross and so Jesus being a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man he humbles himself and he suppresses his deity to put on human flesh and come in the likeness of men. Why did he do this? He did this to fulfill the law. He did this for our sake. He did this um, to be an example for us of how we should walk out this life, how we should grow in knowledge and wisdom. And so as he's fulfilling the law as a man, Though he's 100% God, he's 100% man as well. He's fulfilling the law because we could not fulfill the law. He's fulfilling the law, going through all of these things without sin. When we look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, why did Jesus do this? It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So how was Jesus tempted? He, he was tempted because he suppressed his deity. He was tempted. So he, he suppressed his deity so he could experience the temptations that we would experience. He suppressed his deity so he can experience the weaknesses that we experience. And so it says we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize 
with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And here's the reason why he did it. Verse 16. So we can come boldly or with confidence. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so why did Jesus have to grow in knowledge and wisdom and learn obedience as the scriptures say? And I'm going to get into that in a little later, but I have to lay this foundation. He did it for us. That's the, that is the quick question. That's the simple question. He did it for you and me. It was an act, not just an act of submission to the father, but it was an act of love demonstrated for us. And this is why I always I, I, I say Jesus didn't just die for us, but he also lived for us. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. This is the gospel. And so it is so important that when we view our trials and our suffering through the lens of Christ's purpose and why he subjected himself to these things. Because a lot of times we, we look at suffering, <clears throat> we look at challenges in our life, and, and a lot of times we, we approach it with a woe is me mentality when it's hard trials or, or when it's tough temptation we we just fold we just give in and i'm here to tell you don't like stand up and fight there is purpose in what you're going through there is purpose even in the temptations that come your way and listen i'm not saying the stuff that you put yourself in because some of us <laughs> I, I and i have to be clear with this some of us put ourselves in compromising situations. I'm not talking about those type of temptations. I'm not talking about, um, you know, <laughs> I used to be guilty of this. I, I would position myself to fall in sin. And then when stuff gets tight and, 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 tem and I start getting tempted, even though I put myself in that position, I start calling on the Lord, like, Lord, help me, Lord, God, help me. And one day God convicted me like, man, stop putting yourself in those positions, Joker. Like, stop. You stop setting yourself up for failure. And so I'm not talking about that type of temptation. But what I am talking about is situations where um, temptation or trials come knocking at your door. You're just living life. And so it is time for us to change our perspective. And I, and I really believe that one of the reasons why God allows trials and suffering um, is to really bring us to a place of brokenness. Um, sometimes we can think that we're broken before the Lord and we're we're really and we're really not. Sometimes we can think that we're submitted to God and we're really not. We're holding on to things and we have idols in our lives. We're not spending time with him the way we should. And we're putting work or spouse or 
girlfriend, boyfriend before him, our ambitions, our job before him. And, and, and so a lot of times God allows trials to come our way to bring us to a place of brokenness because Psalms chapter 51 said, uh, Psalms chapter 51 verse 17 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And so sometimes God allows suffering and temptation to come our way to bring us to our knees, to bring us to his feet. Because sometimes we don't see how much we really need God until things get bad. And that's just that's just the that's just the truth. This is why it's so hard. Jesus said one of the reasons I believe Jesus said it's so hard for rich people to enter into heaven. is because they have they, they feel that they have everything. How do you sh- how do you show a person who feels that they have everything that they don't have anything? And so a lot of times we don't view our trials from the perspective of heaven. We view our trials and our temptation from the view of earth. From our flesh. And so. What I really want to do is encourage you and challenge you to gain heaven's perspective. Because in heaven's perspective, we learn how to see the blessing in the trial and not just see the blessing in the trial. We learn to see the trial as a blessing. And I know that doesn't make sense, but just stay with me. Stay with me. (laughs) Stay with me. Because all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so Paul prays something in Philippians chapter three. And he and he and I love this because this is I pray this becomes our prayer in Philippians chapter three, verse nine through ten. He says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Verse 10. This is what I pray our prayer becomes that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of of his sufferings what that doesn't that's a crazy prayer he says that i might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death wait a minute is he praying that he come into is he praying that he 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 understands Christ through suffering? Is he praying that suffering that he suffers? Like what is he praying? What he's saying is, Lord, help me to die like you. And 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 not necessarily a physical death, 
But if it comes to that, not my will, but your will be done. But a death to my flesh, a death to my will, that you be made manifest in my life, that that you let Gabriel die, that Christ lives through him. And so he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Like, Lord, help me to learn in my suffering. Teach me how to be more like you through my suffering. And so Paul, he viewed suffering as an opportunity. He viewed persecution as an opportunity and really it's crazy because when you read through the New Testament, suffering is a cons- is a constant theme that comes up throughout the New Testament. And I just can't help but think about how when the apostles would be persecuted, imprisoned for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, they considered it a privilege and an honor. They weren't complaining and saying, man, why is this happening to me? Man, I deserve better than this. They were like, man, what an honor to suffer for his namesake. What a privilege it is. And they would they would they would be ministering to the guards that's watching over them. They would be sharing the love of Christ in those situations. Because they had heaven's perspective and so how do we how do we get there when like when we look at hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 through 9 it says who in the days of his flesh and is referring to jesus when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. This is talking about Christ. It says that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect or complete. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him take notes on this if you're taking notes this is a good time to write this down one of the primary purposes of suffering is for God to teach us obedience it says that Jesus yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered so if Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered how much more are we Who do we think that we are? And so through suffering, God teaches us humility and submission. And this is why second Corinthians chapter 12 is so important. And I've and I've talked about this chapter before, but I'm not sure if I've ever come from this perspective or the or this context. I know I've hit on it, but when we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see Paul talking about 
the thorn in his flesh. And listen, I've just really felt, have really been feeling like God has been leading me to stay in this vein. I know, um, I believe the first show of this year started off with the benefits of denying yourself. And so this, I know these last few shows have been in that vein, but I really believe this is prophetic to the body of Christ. Like, man, we have to, and just just stay with me for a second. We have to get back to preaching the gospel. We have to get back to focusing on the cross. We have to get back to focusing on Jesus. Like, this is what the world needs. And I believe this is one of the reasons why we don't see deliverance really happening anymore. We don't see people being set free from the from the hand of Satan and demons being cast out and things of that nature. And I really believe one of the reasons that is is because we've gotten away from preaching the gospel. We've we've gotten away from preaching the cross and we've gotten to preaching these self-help messages, these self-centered messages um, that tickle ears and, and, and stroke our flesh, but do nothing for our spirit, man, and our walk with God and us truly knowing who Christ is. And so there is a need for us as the body of Christ to learn how to deny ourselves. Jesus said one of the, the main prerequisites, the main prerequisite for us following Christ is for us to first deny ourselves. He says in Luke 9.23, if any man will come after me, he must first deny himself, pick up his cross. And the cross represents a death experience and follow me. And so we have to learn how to die to live. We have to learn how to lose our lives to save it. Because true revival doesn't start with our wills being exalted. But true revival is, is starts with us denying ourselves and us turning to God. And so I, I truly believe that there is a need for us. And I wish I could package this up <laughs> in, a, in a nice package with a pretty bow to make it sound good for you. But 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 the reality is I can't do that because we got to deny ourselves like we have to learn Christ. He's beautiful all by himself. I promise you, you if you taste, you'll see that he's good. And so we need to get to a place where we are making much of him church making much of Christ because that's where the power lies. If it's not about him, what's the point? We have to deny ourselves. And so when we look at Paul, we, we, we see God teaching Paul something extremely important 
through his suffering and through his temptation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul starts out in verse 6 by saying, Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. In other words, Paul says, like, man, I, I can boast. I can brag on myself because I'm a bad man. Like, I'm, I'm extremely smart. I'm full of wisdom. He says, I, I can boast in myself and I'll actually be telling the truth. But he says, man, lest I should be exalted above measure. So he so he goes on in verse seven. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me from becoming prideful because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. He says a messenger of Satan to harass me. You guys catch that? He says, so to keep me humble, to keep me from bragging on myself. An attack of Satan was given to me. The attack, a thorn in my flesh was given to me to keep me humble. You mean to tell me God will allow the devil to wreak havoc in your life to keep you humble? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so before you start rebuking, <laughs> why you're rebuking, ask the Lord, what is the purpose for this thorn in my flesh? Ask the Lord, what is the purpose of my going through? We have to learn how to begin to commune with the Lord. He says, when you knock, He'll answer when you when you ask, you will receive. I'm not one that that's going to sit and tell you not to question the Lord. I believe we should ask the Lord. Things. Under the banner of reverence for him. But he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, verse seven, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So the Lord allowed this thorn in his flesh, which was the messenger of Satan to harass him, to keep him from becoming prideful, to keep him from becoming conceited. Verse eight, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Verse nine, but the Lord responded and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. It's enough for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Repeat after repeat, repeat after me with that. He says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And here's what I love about Paul. His perspective, when he receives the word of the Lord, immediately his perspective changes. And it's not even a different verse. It's in the same verse. In the same verse, he goes from or in the same to the um, 
in the previous verse, in this verse, he goes from pleading with the Lord to take it away from him to, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, I, I don't, I, I will rather boast now all the more gladly of my weaknesses. When is the last time you begin to glorify God in your weakness? Like God, God, I thank you for this weakness. God, I thank you for bringing me to this place of weakness because I know when I'm brought to this place of weakness is that your power may rest upon me. And so Paul is actually glorifying God for his la for his weakness because he understands the purpose of the trial now. He's actually glorifying God for the test. When is the last time we've glorified God for the test? And listen, I understand what I'm talking about does not make any natural sense. But we, if any man, if we who are in Christ, we're not natural. We're in the spirit. It says they that are led by the spirit are this. They that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God, are the daughters of God. And so we're not like other people who complain there should be a difference in us as believers and yes this doesn't make natural sense but we serve a spiritual god we serve an almighty god who is a spirit and they that worship him who is a spirit must worship him in spirit and in truth and so when is the last time you thanked god for the test i would encourage you I would challenge you to go against your flesh and thank God for the test. Even if it doesn't feel right, even if it doesn't feel good, just begin to praise God and glorify God for the test. Glorify God for the hard trials and say, God, I don't understand it. God, it doesn't make sense to me. But God, I thank you for this because I know that you have a purpose in it. God, bring me. Don't just bring me through this. But help me to learn from it and help me to get everything out of this test, out of this trial, out of this temptation that I need to get so I can become more like you. So I could become stronger, that I that 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 I could become more effective in my walk with you. He has a purpose in the trial. And so we see Paul after the, after the Lord in verse nine responds and said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul responds and says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And this in, in verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
sometimes we we don't understand we don't understand sometimes the hardest things that we can that we go through can be the the greatest blessings for us I know if I hadn't gone through some things, I would not have experienced God in my life the way I had experienced him. Because there's certain things and pits and valleys that I went through that brought me to my knees, that brought me to a place. And, and as a result, I experienced and learned and communed with Jesus in a way that I probably never would have if I hadn't experienced those hardships and those trials. And so, listen, I'm not standing here and saying, God, help me to go through some hard stuff. I'm not praying for hard trials. I'm not praying for for tests. But but I am praying like me. It's, I'm laughing a little bit now because I'm not I'm not telling you to pray for hard trials. That's not the purpose of this show. One of the things that me and my wife have have purpose to do is and I and I shared this on on one of the um last shows. I I I've talked about how me and my wife we went through some like we went through a t- like a two-year span of just going through um, hard trials, and it wasn't in our marriage. Like our marriage was great, but but just life hitting us, just different things coming our way. Um, and when the Lord brought us out of those things. One of the proclamations that we've been striving to make is, look, we go keep God first, whether we going through hard trials or when thing and when things are great, regardless of what's happening in our life. Regardless of our circumstance, we go give God the glory like God. We we don't need no, we don't need no hard trials to humble us. God help us to help us to humble ourselves when things are going great. God help us to give you the glory when things are going great. Because I don't want I don't want I don't want <laughs> I don't want to have to need a thorn in my flesh to humble me. And, and listen, I know we all have thorns in our flesh. There's there's something that God has allowed in all of our lives to keep us humble. But I don't want, I want to be able to love God and stay humble without the need of hard trials. And I know that because we dwell in human flesh and and none of us are perfect, that there are going to be situations that God allows to happen to keep us humble. But regardless of that, man, it it in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And God, I'm going to glorify you regardless of the circumstance. God, I'm going to give you the praise in the good and in the bad. God, help Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. <clears throat> because this is this is what we need like never before, you guys. There are people 
around us, in our families, at our jobs, our neighbors, in our life, who need to see Christ, who need to see Christ in us. We can't afford to be conformed to the world. We can't afford to look like the world. There has to be a distinction between us and them. Because if there's not a distinction, how can we reach them? How can we evangelize to them when we look no different than them? And so the difference between us and the world is we live a light. We have submitted. We have repented of our sins. We've turned from ourselves. We've denied ourselves and turned and put our trust in Christ. And this is not just a one time thing. This is not just a one time experience where you get called to the altar and you cry and they hug you. And now, you know, Jesus. No, this is this is a working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It is a lifestyle of dying to live. It is a lifestyle of losing our lives to save it. And when we find ourselves in a pit, when we find ourselves at our lowest, it is at that moment we have to learn how to rejoice and say, God, man, in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. Now let your power rest upon me. Man, it's time for us to start praying and pressing our way into the presence of God. And listen, I understand that God is omnipresent. But when I talk about pressing into the presence of God for you Bible scholars out there, I'm talking about praying until you actually feel the manifested presence of God. Some of us have become so intelligent and so smart in our thinking that we haven't felt the presence of God in so long because we've made our walk with God strictly intellectual and there's no intimacy it's just book and head knowledge but man I want this Bible to come alive in my life if if I could see the apostles and the saints experiencing the glory of God experiencing the presence of God man I want that in my life if I see signs and wonders and, and miracles and demons being cast out in the scriptures, I want to see that in my life because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Listen, thank you guys for tuning in to the Path of Revelation podcast. Make sure you guys write in, go to pathofrevelationnow.com. If you have any suggestions or questions about anything that you've heard on uh, this show or a previous show, feel free to write in a prayer request or anything like that. Listen, I love you guys. I'll get with you next week at the same time. God bless you.